Well, uh, there's a well-known Danish uh, theologian who said, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. And so everyone is aspiring in this uh, world that we live in for large-scale change. And, um, and that's how we're trying to live our life, is to respond to pandemic and global recession and climate change and all kinds of other factors. Mm-hmm. But when we get through something, and we look back, I make the case that it's not a light bulb moment of transformation. Rather, it's a series of many steps taken by many people that ultimately result in a big change. Welcome to episode 48 of the Inner Game of Change podcast, where I focus on exploring the multi-layers of managing and enabling organizational change. My name is Ali Juma, and this is the Inner Game of Change podcast. Today, my guest is David Altman, the Chief Research Innovation Officer at the Center of Creative Leadership, a global non-profit organization with offices all around the world. David oversees global research, partnerships, and innovation, and portfolio leadership solutions with a particular focus on EDI. With extensive leadership and research achievements, David was selected as one of the top 40 Americans for the three-year Kellogg Foundation National Leadership Program, a prolific author of many articles on leadership and change. Today, David and I chat about the case for incremental change as an effective approach to successfully managing complex changes. I am grateful to have David chatting with me today. Well, David, thank you very much for joining me in the Inner Game of Change podcast. I'm really grateful for your time. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you today. Thank you very much. Um, Today's uh, topic I would like to tackle, David, is the case for incremental change. Um, you've written a lot about the topic, and um, but before we dive deeper into the topic, it would be great for my audience to know about you, uh, David. Sure. Um, my career is uh, largely broken up into two chunks. For um, half my career, I was a public health professor in a couple of medical schools in the U.S., and then the second half of my career, I worked at the global nonprofit organization Center for Creative Leadership, CCL.org. And I've held various roles there from leading research, innovation, product development, to overseeing Europe, Middle East, Africa, to being the chief operating officer. And now I'm uh, overseeing our programs, products, research, tools, assessments, and partnerships. Fantastic. What is the case for incremental change, David? Well, uh, there's a well-known Danish uh, theologian who said, life can only be understood backwards but it must be lived forwards. And so everyone is aspiring in this uh, world that we live in for large scale change. And, um, and that's how we're trying to live our life is to respond to pandemic and global recession and climate change and all kinds of other factors. Mm-hmm. But when we get through something and we look back, I make the case that it's not a light bulb moment of transformation. Rather, it's a series of many steps taken by many people that ultimately result in a big change. So, for example, if we look at uh, COVID, since we've been uh, dealing with that, 
and look at um, the mRNA vaccine, mm. which um, was an incredible innovation. That vaccine was developed in in 10 months. Yes. And will become a platform for all kinds of other vaccines. We don't have a vaccine for malaria. We started in the late 1800s on that wow. or for tuberculosis or for typhoid fever or for meningitis over a hundred years of trying. And we don't have a vaccine. So on the one hand, you could say the mRNA vaccines for coronavirus were a transformative, a radical change. What we often forget is that scientists on the bench have been spending 30 years working on the elements that led to the mRNA vaccine. So on the one hand, tremendous transformational change in 10 months. But as we look backwards, we see that this is 30 years of hardcore science that got us to the point where we could develop a vaccine in 10 months. It's great context you're putting in there. You actually, whilst you're talking, Guy, I, just an idea, well, it's not an idea, a, a point came into my mind now. Nature is an incremental change, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, you look at, um, look at climate change. Yes. And regardless of your views on, you know, how much humans sure. uh, affected, et cetera, uh, for purposes of this discussion, that doesn't much matter. Sure. But we've reached an inflection point right now mm. where uh, the glaciers are melting at a more rapid rate. Uh, the uh, levels of uh, ocean are going up, et cetera. And so what you're seeing is potentially transformative, radical change uh, in you know countries like Bangladesh, countries on the coast, they're going to be flooded. Yes. And one could think, wow, all of a sudden, uh, these changes are happening quite rapidly. But it was slow progression yes. over, you know, a hundred years yeah. of changes be, uh, with um, technology and with um, innovation and and the human activity that led to this inflection point. Again, many small changes compounded produce tremendous impact. David, I often hear people talk about change in different ways, transformative, incremental, um, radical. What are we talking about here? Are we talking about a timeline of the events? Are we talking about the outcome? Um, or, or are we confusing ourselves with the types of changes? Well, I, you know, there, there has been quite a bit written about uh, differences between incremental, transformative, and radical change. Some people talk about first order, second order, thir third order change, yes. with the first order being, you know, incremental, you're still working within the same system and you're tweaking and second order change is, is um, more about sort of changing the, the rules of the game. You know, it's, it's approaching transformative and third order change is changing systems. Yeah. And so I, I accept that those are different types of change. The way that I view it is they're more interdependent than mutually exclusive. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a guy um, now retired, uh, Carl Weick at uh, University of Michigan, and he talked about this concept of small wins. Yes. And that's the way he described it is the steady application of small advantage. And so when you apply, you get small wins and you um, get the advantage of those small wins that over time 
uh, they accumulate and create something really big. And so you could be doing incremental change. Let's say in an organization and you're you're uh, pursuing incremental change, first order change, but you're aspiring to something really big. And instead of going after something directly that's really big, you are getting advantage day in and day out uh, by these small wins. And all of a sudden, they come together and create something that looks like a light bulb moment. But when you look backwards, you see that it was a progression of different forms of incremental change. And I think I think the tendency for small incremental changes, they have the tendency to compound over time. Yes, um, that's very true. And, you know, if we were um, expert in uh, financial markets, mm. Which I'm not, but I know and I'm not get myself in trouble <laughs> here. Um, it's the power of compounding. Yes. And so if you put small amounts of money on a regular basis into some sort of investment um, instrument, yeah. and you continue to, to what's called dollar cost average, put in money over time, and you play the long game, you will become a very wealthy person over decades yes versus i'm gonna bet on um twitter right now and i'm gonna put my life savings into twitter well you know that that may or may not work out you may make money in the short term and you may lose all that money uh in the medium term yeah so this this notion of compounding applies to change as well and all or nothing is is not quite you know, a very reasonable and wise strategy anyway, in any context. <laughs> right. right. There's a, um, there's a um, story which is developed by a uh, concept developed by Edward Lorenz, who uh, was a mathematician and meteorologist. And it's a little bit of a uh, fictional story, but it's based in science. It's called the butterfly effect. Sure. So imagine that I'm a butterfly in the Amazon in Brazil and I uh, flutter my wings, and it creates a typhoon in Australia. And so here's this small little butterfly yeah. that changes the course of climate. And and that concept was developed by Lorenz because he was interested in weather. And what he found out is small changes in the starting conditions, in the assumptions that you make in weather, can produce dramatic changes in what ultimately happens. Yeah. So meteorologists make assumptions in ma- with mathematical models about the flow of a hurricane or uh, what's going to happen with a typhoon. And small changes in those assumptions have dramatic differences in, in how the models look. And so that goes back to the small winds and the incremental changes potentially producing transformative impact that the starting conditions and assumptions you make and actions that you take early on in a process, even in financial investing, can produce quite divergent outcomes down the road. And that's where the interdependence of uh, incremental transformative and radical change come together. You can have radical change down the road, and occasionally someone will come up with some radical idea that produces big impact, but more times than not, you can look back and see that it's a bunch of small things that happened along the way. Yeah, and look at a couple of things. Um, I was talking to a friend uh, maybe a month ago, and I did mention that I've become so good at starting small 
um, and, and, and helped me a lot in everything, in my sport life and, and, and me being a father. And um, I wasn't this patient all the time, but maybe with, with age, I'm getting wiser, slightly better. Uh, but I did say you can, you can dream big, but start small. Uh, so yeah. by starting small, we're not saying your dreams should not be big. Um, and yeah. so that's the, that's the misconception sometimes saying, um, I'm not going to take this job because that's below what I want. And for me, surely this job is below, but at least it's going to maybe create a mindset for you around showing up to work, learning a new thing, and then learning about yourself as well in the, in the process. And the other, I think that's a really great insight. And, um, you know, you you can, we all can and should have high aspirations, you Absolutely, know, do purpose-driven yes. work and yeah. really change the world. And, um, but it's hard to do that, impossible to do that really directly. And it's it's daunting. It's it's almost paralyzing yes, for yeah. a high achiever to say, well, I want to solve uh, the, the greatest problems in humanity. Yeah. And so if you break it down, and if you do that, it's just there's what do you do? What's the next step that you take? Sort of like uh, uh, Lao Tzu, the um, Chinese philosopher, yes. says, said the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Yeah. So you want to go long and go big and have a huge impact in the world. Well, you got to take the first step. If you just sit there and dream or you try to uh, catapult yourself all the way to the larger goal, you you won't make it. I want to talk about the incremental change models. Are there any models yeah. out there? And then um, if you can share. I would recommend some years ago, not that long ago, there was a new area of um, scientific inquiry called improvement science, mm. improvement science. And this is um, uh, a group of people across disciplines who are looking at this, you know, the small, measurable, uh, individualized changes um, and focus on root causes. But so, but the, the questions are, what are the problem that what's the problem that we're trying to solve? Yeah. What ideas for change might we introduce to address that problem? And how are we going to know whether a change or whether an improvement is occurring? And so th these are a bunch of people, applied scientists that that look at innovation and look at rapid cycle testing and adopt a test and learn mindset. And based on testing, experimenting, yeah. trying something out, learning from it, take, uh, taking that learning, reapplying it, doing more tests. It, this is kind of out of Silicon Valley, fail uh, early, fail often to succeed sooner kind yes. of mentality. Yeah. So I think, you know, if, if people, your, your listeners are looking for sort of evidence-based approaches to support some of what we're talking about, they should go and just Google improvement science. There's all kinds of stuff on there, which brings a, um, a methodology to some of the concepts we're talking about. What sort of industries take real advantage of incremental change? Well, yeah. well the auto industry is one of them. Auto industry, um, tech, tech, uh, uh, you know, uh, social sciences, financial. Um, because, you know, it's in financial markets. The thing is, you know, when you, as I said before, if you um, bite off something um, too big, then uh, you're just going to be stymied in the progress that you make. And, you know, there's, um, there's, this is Nobel Prize winning concept. So 
uh, some behavioral economists at Chicago, University of Chicago, wrote a book called Nudge. And um, these folks won uh, the Nobel Prize for part of their work. And so basically, they're arguing that small features in our environment can produce big impact on our behavior. One story they they talked about, you want to know how to increase the intake of um, vegetables and um, leafy greens. You don't yep. encourage people or urge people to eat more salad. You when they if you're going into a rest, a, let's say a buffet, put the salad up in front. So the minute people walk in the door, there's the salad staring at them. They're more apt to take salad if it's right there. It's available. It's a nudge. It's a prompt. And so those are the kinds of um, big impacts that seemingly small um, uh, actions influence. And this is you're talking about behavioral economics, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, changing the environment can actually change behavior and all of those things. So they, they, they rely predominantly on subtle changes um, yeah. that will produce um, big results. Um, there's also the book by, um, trying to remember his name, um, he's written the book, uh, Thinking Fast. Yeah, uh, Daniel Kahneman. Daniel Kahneman. Yeah. And yeah. also uh, a Nobel Prize winner. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to ask you about some organizations. Let's just say they've got a new CEO, and then CEOs also, always, when they start in a new gig, they want to have a big change um, right. under their belt. When we talk about incremental change in the workplace, does that require a different mindset or leadership mindset? Because it's a long game, not a short game. Yeah, I think it's more, it has to do more with communication. Sure. We know that um, the more confident individuals and collectives are in engaging in a behavior, this comes from social cognitive theory from Albert Bandura at Stanford University. It's called efficacy, self or collective efficacy, confidence that you can engage successfully in a particular behavior. So you're a new CEO coming in and you have this audacious goal. You want to take the organization to new heights. You've got to create a culture and an environment where people are confident in their own and in the collective abilities to go down that path mm. and simply putting something out there as bold uh, as can be without creating the conditions where people feel that they can be successful. Um, it's likely not going to work. People, we as humans have all kinds of cognitive biases, at least 180 are documented. And one relative to change is the status quo bias. Yep. And so we have this strong inclination to stick with what we know. Yeah. Um, it's predictable. Um, it works at some level. And so to counter this status quo bias, an, a leader has to create a bridge that's believable from how we're doing some things now to where we're going to the future. It can't just be an inspirational, bold idea. You have to communicate it in a way and create the conditions where people can rally their agency, their human agency, again, individually and collectively, toward that larger goal. You're talking about the leadership style where some people, the visionary leaders, 
predominantly. They talk about a vision and they expect people to walk towards that vision. Um, I think even um, prophets and and Jesus Christ struggled with that. Um, they still needed to create a bridge. Um, I often, you know, um, somebody taught me this maybe 20 years ago, uh, and I was a junior leader, and they said, uh, if you want your team to move from A to B or across a bridge, uh, explain, you know, the, the, the other side is slightly better than this. Explain that don't be so sure that the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. And ex- but also show them the first steps, which means I need to behave in such a way to actually show them the first steps, a bit of a guidance yeah. in there. And that, 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 will go, that will go a long way uh, when it comes to, to change. But um, there's obviously a, a not so positive side to incremental change because there's a timeline in there. And potentially there will be more cost. What's your take on that? Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to predict in advance. Uh, Teresa Mobley, who's a professor at Harvard Business School, has written a book and articles called uh, on the topic of the progress principle. And basically the essence of that is making regular small progress on in meaningful work, meaningful work can ultimately result in large change. So, um, is there a cost to potentially going slower? Yeah, perhaps. Is there a cost to biting off more than you can chew? Um, Highly yes, likely. There's a cost to that. Yeah. So if you can rally people around changes that they see that they deem meaningful and create energy, then you get an over a potential oversized impact. Mm. You know, today we are. The world is overtaken by uh, chat GPT. Yep. And out of the blue, it seems in the last three, four or five months, it's taken the world by storm. And uh, it seems to have just come out of, you know, people knew about artificial intelligence. But now all of a sudden people are saying this is like the best thing in, 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 a, in a century. It's the most innovative. Where'd that come from? Did that come from just... Um, 350 people who work at the company that developed no. 350 people right now. Wow. No, I mean, it comes from, you know, decades and decades of work in AI and in machine learning and, and, you know, hands down, small steps, everyday incremental changes that, and a, and a bold idea and a vision that some people didn't have, but hard work in the trenches day in and day out to create something that that was transformational, but they didn't figure it out in, in 90 days. No. And and look, you know, um, things like Siri and all of those things, I mean, these were the beginnings of the chat GPT anyway. Um, yeah. And Google, the content in Google, the content is already there. Um, and I think Google has also come up with their own uh, now. Yeah. Have you started using it, David? Is, is, uh, A little just, bit, yeah. Yeah, I have, uh, and I'm blown away, to be honest. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, I use it as as if I've got a coach with me. Um, yes. And so I validate some plans and assumptions that I make, um, and um, it's quite fascinating. And I've even I, asked... I think it's the validation that's key. That's a really important point. Yes, yes, because uh, I would not think that I know everything. 
um, and um, and so a little bit of help. Previously, I remember if I want to validate, I will go and Google stuff. What it's doing now is actually giving me in one spot, and the speed is quite amazing. Um, um, and there, I even asked it to, to help me with my uh, golf uh, swing, David. Believe it or not. I gave it all the things that are actually not working and it's giving me a plan. So uh, there you go. I'm still, I still have my couch. I love him. Um, I want to shift gear and talk about the advantages of incremental change. Um, And um, um, especially when it comes to sustaining the change and corrective action as we progress. Well, you know, maybe one way to think about that would be um, momentum. Yes, And so when you are engaging in incremental change and you have a learning mindset, you know, you adopt Carol Dweck at Stanford's um, approach to having a growth mindset, nothing ventured, nothing gained. um, And you believe your potential is unknown and unknowable. So if you can adopt that individually, but also in teams and organizations, then you go down a path. And every day is action. You're trying things. You're learning. Some things are not not working as you planned. And so you take what you learned and you redo it. And it's that test and test and learn mindset. Yes. And so on the one hand, that's incremental, but imagine a culture where everybody's doing that day in and day out, that that's, that's how you operate in this team or in this organization. So you are feeling this notion, um, Amabile's notion of progress principle. You are doing meaningful work. You're making progress every day. Okay. Some days you make a little bit more than others. Maybe in a week you look back and said, wow, I, I learned a lot, but I don't see how this is leading us to this audacious goal that we're, we're trying to achieve. And then all of a sudden it comes together. It's sort of like you're, I'm not a chef, but you know, it's, it's known that an ingredient or two, a spice or two, can make a mediocre dish into something that is, you know, a uh, five-star meal. And yes. so it's these small things that come together in unique ways that create motivation, create momentum, and ultimately lead to a higher likelihood of success. There's no guarantee of anything in life, but uh, by only going big all the time, and we see this in sports, um, you know, we've written about that as well. It's not it's not just the people that can uh, score goals that create the impact on a in, in football. You need um, the enforcers. You need defensive people. You need people working together um, in small ways and a and a small little change, uh, a change in the pass, a change in the formation, which on the surface seems small, can produce the elusive goal that you're going for to win the game. And that's very applicable in all sports, actually. It is about incremental uh, progress. Um, I haven't seen any gold medal holder that did this in a month or two. Um, And my background is in martial arts, so I understand that fully. And that's why I love it, because... You know, for 30 years, been validation after validation for me that the consistency is what takes me, um, what carries me over. And and I think you put that really in a wise way. You called it momentum. And and that's yeah. really important. Uh, I spend uh, 25 minutes at the gym every day, every day. I don't do two hours every three days. And, um, and I find that far more useful for me to keep that momentum. And, right. and it's actually manageable as well. But but one foot in front of the other, and that's what I do at work now. I start first word, 
first line and then somehow it flows and uh, and I just love this model now rather than uh, the big chunk. I want to ask you about how can we harness technology you talked about chat GPT to help us with the incremental change? Yeah. Well, you know, technology is obviously all around us and yeah. um so there's uh, in the ed tech educational technology space, there's all kinds of um, apps that are available. You know, I wear uh, uh, an Apple watch and there's all kinds of sensors in there giving me feedback on heart rate and number yes. of steps uh, per day and heart rate variability, et cetera. So there are um, plenty, uh, you know, meditation apps. I sometimes use those. So, you know, I think it's it, it's less about technology and more about, okay, here are the changes that I'm trying to make. Uh, what support do I need? Where where are there uh, impediments or barriers to what I'm trying to accomplish? What do I know about myself in terms of prompts to motivate me? And then say, okay, well, are there some technology? To, is there technology that can help me in areas where I need help or I need reinforcement? So I'd start with self-awareness. Before yeah. I would start with the bells and whistles of technology. Fantastic. Um, how can we ensure that we measure the success of incremental change? Because remember, each piece is is a step towards the big goal. And yeah. so does that mean that we have a measure for the big goal, but we also have measure as we progress? Yeah. Yeah, I think it starts with, okay, it starts with the big stuff, your values, your purpose, what you want to accomplish in life personally and professionally. Yep. So always have those in mind because that's sort of the North Star. That's kind of, you know, what you're trying to accomplish over the course of your lifetime. And then one step, what, what are meaningful goals? What can I do in the next 10 minutes, in the next 30 minutes, in the next hour, in the next day, this week that are steps, baby steps toward or in support of or consistent with my values, my purpose, my mission. And how am I doing against those small, uh, meaningful goals, those micro? What progress did I make? Where, where I didn't make progress, why? Was the goal off? Did I get distracted? Did I not use available resources? Whatever it is. And so you're constantly, you're pursuing something big. You're taking those steps. You're testing your steps. You're learning from what you're doing and you're changing. And this, and this is, you know, if you do this, if you make <clears throat> that a habit, then it 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 becomes unconscious competence. Yes. You're, it's just part of how you operate. But it takes a while to get to that point. And then if you're a leader, you're paying attention to the people that you're working with. Because yeah. leadership is a social process. It's not about someone at the top of the organization right. dictating what others do. It's around how you enter. So how engaged are people? How motivated are they? Do they see that progress is being made? Are they learning? Do we have a learning culture, et cetera? And so learning and the application of learning is so key because no one all the time has a plan that works as, as designed. And so if you're learning from what's happening, great. And, and, and that's how I think you can measure incremental change. And then you've got the usual KPIs, the key performance indicators. Yeah. How are we doing financially out? You know, are we selling? Are we developing product? Whatever it is. But go 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 earlier in that causal chain 
to look at the human elements that then result in products, services, and other other business outcomes. And David, I've always noticed that episodic change, I call it episodic change anyway, um, it's easy to train because usually uh, compartmentalized within one aspect of a process um, and the feedback is immediate. And also you can report on the success because the success will be one component of it. Um, so it really makes it easier for the change management uh, group and the project management to manage. Whereas I've seen big changes where we just get them together and we give them the whole process. And we realized that later the adoption probably was about 10%. Um, yeah. And so they, these are also the um, some of the benefits that we can get in measuring the success of, uh, of the, uh, the incremental change. I... We are coming to the end of podcast, and I'm thoroughly enjoying this. I want to ask you a question that I usually ask my guests. What would be your advice to the change of practice community? Our practice nowadays, especially over the last 10 years, is, is sort of taking a center stage in, 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 in its importance. However, dealing with the, with the people side of change is always tricky, and we need all the tools that is available to us to actually help businesses uh, manage their change. From where you sit and your experience and your knowledge, what would your advice be to somebody like me when I go about practicing my profession? Yeah. Well, uh, first and obviously accept and then embrace the reality of change. There, there's no such thing as stability and total predictability. We are we are um, we live in in our lives are all about change and change is not linear. You don't yeah. just, you know, improve you as you were talking, you, you know, you have recidivism, you have backsliding. And so so accept change. Second, change your mindset, you know, adopt this growth mindset. Yeah. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. So if you can break challenges in those smaller components, as we've talked and um, grow from them, learn from them and have that mindset, um, then you'll, you'll be able to run that marathon or that ultra marathon. Third, take baby steps. We've talked a lot about that. Yes. You know, occasionally you have to sprint. Occasionally you have to jog. Sometimes you have to uh, walk slowly. Sometimes you have to crawl. Sometimes you have to sleep and stop and rest and reflect. And so it, it's all about movement uh, and and those baby steps. And then finally, you know, what is in my mind a lot is small is beautiful, doable and impactful. So, you know, you have these higher aspirations and you want to, you know, make the world a better place or you want to grow your business or you want to um, have a uh, even more um, wonderful family. Small is beautiful, doable and impactful. And day in and day out, small changes that you make and uh, small changes that you help others make as a leader can produce the oversized impact consistent with uh, the larger aspirational goals that you have. That's fantastic. That will be um, a good title for an article for you, uh, David. Uh, small is beautiful, doable, and impactful. Well, thanks for that. Thank you. There we go. Um, thank you very much. Really um, insightful. How would employers or people um, that are actually listening to this podcast can reach you? Uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can reach me at the Center for Creative Leadership. That's at ccl.org. My email is altman, A-L-T-M-A-N-D, 
at ccl.org. And we're going to put all your information, David, on the podcast. Um, um, thank you so much for your time. I'm thor- I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I've learned a few things, especially about the word meaningful steps, and uh, um, definitely will apply that. Grateful for your time, David, and um, I hope I can get you back at some stage and discuss another topic. Um, but until next time, stay well and stay safe. And you too. Thanks so much for a wonderful conversation. Thank you very much. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. To know more about my guests and this podcast, check the innergameofchange.com.au website. And remember, subscribe. I can't wait to share with you my next podcast. Until then, stay well and stay safe.